Lawmakers recently warned of a national security threat regarding Russia wanting nuclear weapons in space. So what is Congress doing to keep America safe? I'm Veronica Dudo. Let's find out. This is In America Today from the Ticker News Studios in New York City. Hello and welcome. Coming up, the United States has proposed an alternative draft to the United Nations Security Council resolution calling for a temporary ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. But first... New U.S. intelligence shows that Russia is developing some sort of anti-satellite nuclear weapon. After lawmakers warned of a national security threat about Russia wanting nuclear weapons in space, White House advisor John Kirby said that there is not an imminent threat. Now Russian President Vladimir Putin is weighing in as he just declared that Moscow has no intention of deploying nuclear weapons into space. For more, we're joined by Matt Laszlo, the congressional correspondent for Raw Story. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So this story rapidly captured headlines around the world after the House Intelligence Committee chairman warned of a national security threat. What's the latest we know about where things stand? Well, so it being Congress, they're lazy and they gave themselves this week off for President's Day. They give the whole nation one day off and they take about 13 days for themselves. So when the chair of that Intelligence Committee, Mike Turner, he was on one of the Sunday shows this weekend. So we kind of kept the story alive. But yeah, he really turned heads on Capitol Hill, especially from lawmakers who've known with him and worked with him for a while now. They say, you know, he's known as a level-headed guy. Um, The former majority leader, uh, Steny Hoyer, said he's level-headed. Um, he told me he's non-confrontational usually. So that's why when Turner put out this statement, kind of warning ominously before we knew it was a potential nuclear threat, he really woke up Capitol Hill. And that's where they had to open up um, the, this intelligence to all House members and then eventually all Senate members so they could go and review this. And the thing is, like all things in Washington, there's uh, two sides to every story. And a lot of people are saying this isn't an imminent threat, that they've actually known about this for a couple of years now. And so some people are accusing Turner of playing politics. Now, the White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby said it would violate the International Outer Space Treaty, but declined to comment on whether the weapon is nuclear capable. What are you hearing on the Hill? Well, and this is the thing. This is classified material, so a lot of lawmaker, well, so no lawmaker can legally talk to me about it. Thank God they do. When uh, <laughs> there's no mics or cameras around, and so I guess that's what lawmakers are trying to find out: whether this is an imminent threat or how imminent it is. And as you said, we have Russia and uh, their leader, Mr. Putin, saying, "Oh no, 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 we don't even want this." Well. Every lawmaker here in the States, well, most of them take what Mr. Putin says with many grains of salt. And so folks are trying to figure out exactly what their capabilities are and what their intentions are. And it seems like, according to the current U.S. intelligence, it seems that Russia wants these capabilities to be able to attack, you know, Pentagon satellites, even, uh, you know, our tech 
satellites that keep our economy afloat. And so there's a lot of fear, especially because we've been prepared for China in the space race and Russia now bringing the nuclear arms race that we've seen here on uh, Earth up into space. And it's really freaking lawmakers out in part because it's freaking a lot of their constituents out, which is why now there's kind of a bipartisan agreement that everyone's coming out to the mics and talking and saying, hey, there's no imminent threat. But Turner and his camp say it's good that at least the American public now knows a little bit about this. And they say that they were able to apply pressure on the White House. And they say that now they trust that the White House is taking this seriously. Whereas if you talk to Democrats, they say this wasn't an imminent threat and the White House was already taking it seriously, just not talking about it in public. So as you mentioned, it's definitely shrouded in secrecy. Of course, it is a presidential election year. But right now, just putting a potential nuclear capability aside for a moment, the White House confirmed last week that Russia has obtained a troubling anti-satellite weapon capability, although such a weapon is not operational yet. Do you think this might be something that Congress will focus its attention on when they return from their break? And this is the interesting thing right now. We, Congress, the big thing sitting on their plate. Well, so when they come back from their break, for one, they have to fund the government or else it shuts down within about three or so legislative days once they're back. So that's going to be a big thing uh, on their plate, one that they've put off now for months and months. But the other one, your uh, viewers probably remember when, you know, Republicans walked away from the border deal. Well, that border deal was seen as key to this broader package to give funding to our allies, Israel, Taiwan, but then also Ukraine. And so that's where there has been some speculation, even from within Turner's own party, you know, more from the Freedom Caucus right of Republicans. They've been accusing Turner of kind of, you know, putting this issue out there in order to kind of manipulate members into going along with Ukraine funding, but then also a part of that debate is the warrantless wiretapping funding, or pardon me, warrantless wiretapping reauthorization, or FISA, as people might know it. And so people were kind of accusing the Intel Chair Turner of trying to stoke fear in the public in order to get what they wanted with these previously stalled uh, foreign aid packages. And this might have backfired a little bit on him because now you have some Republicans saying they want him out as chairman. You want another Republican, Andy Ogles of uh, Tennessee. He says that he wants a formal investigation. He wants Speaker Johnson to do a formal investigation into Turner. And so we'll see. Turner definitely put this on uh, everyone's radars now. But we'll see with, as you said, it being an election year, but then also with all these big issues of keeping the government funded, whether we're this Congress is even able to vote and affirmatively and help our allies. There's big issues hanging over this Congress, including 2024 politics. Matt Laszlo, congressional correspondent with Raw Story. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. 
The United States has proposed an alternative draft to the United Nations Security Council resolution calling for a temporary ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. The U.S. put forward the text after a request was made for the council to vote on its draft resolution. The United States has proposed an alternative draft United Nations Security Council resolution, according to the text seen by Reuters on Monday. It calls for a temporary ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war and opposes a major Israeli ground offensive in Rafah in southern Gaza. Washington has been averse to the word ceasefire in any UN action on the Israel-Hamas war. However, the U.S. draft text echoes language that President Joe Biden said he used last week in conversations with Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Israel plans to storm Rafah where more than one million Palestinians are sheltering, prompting international concern. It was not immediately clear if or when the draft resolution would be put to a vote. The U.S. put forward the text after Algeria requested the Council vote Tuesday on its draft resolution. Algeria is demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield quickly signaled that it would be vetoed and said the initial draft resolution could jeopardize, quote, sensitive negotiations on hostages. A resolution needs at least nine votes in favor and no vetoes by the United States, France, Britain, Russia or China to be adopted. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange began what could be his last chance to stop his extradition from Britain to the United States. His lawyer says his case is politically motivated and should be a concern to journalists around the world. A two-day hearing starting Tuesday could be WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's last chance to stop his extradition from Britain to the United States. U.S. prosecutors are seeking to put the 52-year-old on trial on 18 counts. They relate to WikiLeaks's high-profile release of troves of confidential U.S. military records and diplomatic cables. Speaking outside the court in front of a crowd demanding his release, his wife Stella said his case was politically motivated. There is no possibility of a fair trial if Julian is extradited to the United States. He should never be extradited to the United States. He would never be safe. The United States plotted to murder my husband. He is being accused of journalism. This case is an admission by the United States that they now criminalize investigative journalism. It's an attack on all journalists all over the world. It's an attack on the truth and it's an attack on the public's right to know. Julian is a political prisoner and his life is at risk. She also likened his case to that of Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition activist who died in prison on Friday while serving a three-decade sentence. United States prosecutors argue the leaks put the lives of their agents at risk and that there is no excuse for his criminality. Lawyers for the US said their case against him was consistently and repeatedly misrepresented by Assange's legal team. But Assange's supporters hail him as an anti-establishment hero and a journalist persecuted for exposing wrongdoing. Assange's legal battles began in 2010. He spent seven years in Ecuador's embassy in London before being dragged out and jailed in 2019 for breaching bail conditions. He has since been held in a maximum security London jail and even got married there. His extradition to the US was eventually approved in 2022. 
His legal team are trying to overturn that approval in front of two judges in what could be his last opportunity to prevent extradition in English courts. Assange himself was not in court nor watching remotely because he was unwell, according to his lawyer. Edward Fitzgerald says if convicted, Assange could be given a sentence as long as 175 years, but it's likely to be at least 30 to 40 years. If Assange wins this case, a full appeal hearing will be held to again consider his challenge. If he loses, his only remaining option would be at the European Court of Human Rights. Stay with us, more ticker coming up.